0: When you're deep in a dark dungeon and the cleric's down and dying, and you've taken all the potions you had left, and you feel like you are doomed because the demon you sent loose is coming after you, and you can smell its breath. Don't ever give up. Hello, welcome to the Roleplaying Exchange. This is Adam, and today I'm joined by my co host Noah. Yes. And. and there's that, that that third fucker.
1: Hi, I'm Aaron. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good job, buddy. You really, uh, you really worked out there.
1: You I say- joined in
2: at the right time. <laughs> just, just when we were getting Adam like, finally used to doing the intro, now we have to teach somebody else.
0: <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Right. Hey, Chris, I feel like this is an episode about me and you. It's like This is a story of us. Because when I first met you and the first game that I ever played with you was Unknown Armies. And that was, God... Damn, that was a while ago. Aaron, I know I've told this around Noah and stuff. Like My first impression of Chris, we hop on row 20. It's fucking a hot piece of garbage when we use it. I'm, I hope it's better now. I know other people use it and enjoy it. He gives me a character sheet, tells me to read Unknown Armies. I glance at it and then laid beside it like osmosis. Didn't help a damn bit. And then I played a game where I was a Russian bank robber who was Breaking into a bank after hours. I blew my toe off on a botch row because Chris is an unforgiving god. I learned it back then. And <laughs> I had kleptomancy, I believe was the power that I had. And I stole somebody's heart that was also a jewel. So it was like a real big fever dream of a game. And that was my introduction to Chris. And since then, we played a variety of things. And then when Unknown Armies 3 came out, or like when it was coming down the pipeline, we all backed it. Some of us backed it twice. And, you know, here we are. We've got, I guess, what, two campaigns of Unknown Armies. One going, one in the works. And we're back to that fever dream. So, Chris, what about this fever dream that is Unknown Armies? What can you tell us about it, our listeners at home?
3: Unknown Armies is a game about obsession and consequence. Like, it, you play the game because you want to be a person who is going to change the world. And that's the thing that... It, it, That sounds like all light and happy, but Unknown Armies is also a horror game. Everything you do, you change. Like there's everything you do matters from the very like the slightest thing to the greatest thing.
1: Specificity is important.
3: Yeah, no, it's pretty rough. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like, Unknown Armies is literally about uh, the occult underground. It is the people who have decided that they rolled through means that don't make sense and the world itself is spongy enough where it tries to work against that or work for it
0: okay so magic mysticism i know this game came out oh we're on what the third iteration of it, third edition right now
3: Mm -hmm. yep third edition i think the initial game came out like mid 90s yeah second edition came out in like 2001 2002 just post 9-11, to make one of their <coughs> one of their one shot games real bad.
0: You know, the most recent one came out a year ago, I think, is when it finally the books came out in print. But uh, or maybe two years ago. Yeah, time is. It was kickstarted like two years ago. It finally
3: started getting. It, it came out in print about a year ago. It's. Uh, I think everything's finally full. Like that Kickstarter is done.
0: Yeah, and for those of you keeping track at home. I think our third episode of Roleplaying Exchange, we actually interviewed Greg Stosey. He was gracious enough for us, you know, just starting out right out the gate to do an interview with us about the Unknown Army's Kickstarter. And since then, <laughs> he's even came back to, this, to do uh, an interview about his book, You, which is Unknown Army's fiction.
1: I want to tell him all the dumb shit I've done. I feel like <laughs> I owe it to him.
0: That's what. <laughs> that's what those panels are when you go to the, the Unknown Army Gen Con. It's, it's more like a confession booth. I mean, we'll talk about the product, but it's like, yeah. And then I became a Mormon porn star, agromancer, blah blah blah. I mean, it gets they get a little weird around there. And it, but it's it's, it's goddamn it's so beautiful. So yeah, like Rpx, we've been with Unknown Armies is definitely in our blood. So back on topic, magic is real. And reality is very, you said spongy, so reality is malleable, I guess you could say, right? So, like, how does magic work in Unknown Armies? Like, what like, what kind of schools do we got? What kind of character options do you have if you're playing? What kind of things we got?
3: Magic is real, and magic is postmodern. And I, I mean this, like, postmodernism as the actual academic field of, like, deconstruction of reality and the way, like, you look at the world. Okay. So there are two sorts of schools, like two types of magic. You have avatar magic, which is magic is real and you want to build into the status quo. You want to be a part of the collective unconscious the way the world works. So like uh, maybe you're a businessman and you think that you want to be the best businessman you can be. So you start, like, playing up the tropes of, like, the Patrick Bateman type, the guy who does the best deal. Like, you go full-on Don Draper, and you start getting powers that make you better at being a businessman. But that's only so long as you play into that archetype, that idea. And that's, like, that's what I would call the soft school of magic. That's avatar magic, which is really cool and works really well. When you do it, you fit in. You're a part of the world. Assuming a
0: role playing a part, okay? Yes,
3: exactly. (sighs) Then there's the fun magic. Say <laughs> you disagree with how things are done. Reality works as if if you disagree with it, you're wrong. But if you disagree hard enough and angrily enough, uh, reality will bend. Obsession. Now that's adept magic. That is like the dude who uh, hoards ten thousand
0: cans because he believes cans have power. Okay. Jesus Christ! I just had an epiphany, guys. Hmm. so it's magic that's harmony like the avatar assuming a role and then there's this very dissonant kind of like anarchist school of magic which is the exact opposite I don't know but I like that aspect so
3: oh yeah it's, it's fascinating stuff too like when you really think about it from a design perspective because there are sorts of adept schools like the the crazy people who don't fit in with reality that do uphold reality in some way like there are people who are all about like I need to make as much money as possible so that I can control the stock market, but I can't actually spend any money. So they like build into this weird status quo that we have in the U.S. But then there's also adept schools that are about breaking up the status. There are also like avatar paths that are about breaking up the status quo because there's always the idea of the rebel. There's always the idea of the jester, the trickster, someone who um, subconscious to change things and break things. It's it's a fascinating. St- it's like it's a really fascinating idea. Okay.
0: So, Noah, you're kind of newer to this than the rest of us here. Any mm-hmm. any questions so far? You're going to be our straight man on this here.
2: <laughs> okay. I can I can work with that. Um, <laughs> no, not not really like it it makes sense so far like it's a very humanocentric sort of game as opposed to something like call of cthulhu which is all about the the existential and the other
3: oh yeah, so. yeah. unknown armies is explicitly anti call of cthulhu
2: yeah also real quick first uh edition of unknown armies came out in '98. Second edition came out in 2002 okay great okay. i
1: For would sure. like to point out there is a school a type of magic that chris did not mention there's gutter magic oh yeah that gutter <laughs> magic is, is fun <laughs> also the fun kind
0: some explain, might say the best kind. Explain, explain gutter magic, and then defend your claim there, Aaron. Why is it the best kind? Because you have to think to use it. Oh, I'm
1: I've got charges, and I've got a list of things I can do with said charges. Nah, that's that's basic bitch shit. With uh, <laughs> so what, what is gutter magic? It's like it's playing the system, sort of. It's going okay. This is how this rule works. I can bend that rule this way to get away with it, and it'll work for now, until you know you try it again and it doesn't. So you have to figure out. Okay, well, I can I can find another way to bend this rule. So You're bruising reality instead of instead of you know snapping shadow. it in half.
0: So if I yeah. had a ritual called for human fingers or in general, and then I use chicken fingers instead, like the intention and all that kind of affect that magic to where I can substitute in this for that kind of deal. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Uh, and you might even get lucky and it's going to have a completely different effect than what you intended just because, you know, you had to use different ingredients.
3: Okay. I think when I initially pitched gutter magic to you, Aaron, I said that look up, look up a random ritual on the internet and then re- place about half of it with stuff you could find in Arby's dumpster.
0: Yeah. And by god I did.
3: <laughs> a
0: very a very rich field to play with here. Yeah. Yes.
3: That's another way you can look at it. Like uh, avatar magic is going with the flow. dept magic is just saying fuck you. I'm doing what I doing what I want and just believing hard enough that you will you can do what you want. And then there's gutter magic which deals with the edge cases. Okay,
2: Cutter Magic is making do.
1: Yeah, that's...
3: Cutter Magic is the Cliff Notes version of Magic.
1: I was going to say it's the college diet. Yeah, I can see that. The ramen ramen, is a cat- Magic.
0: Yeah. Top ramen is food. Yeah. That'll work. Technically. <laughs> okay, so, like, this is all well and good, and I like this. But, is that all we got in this game? So if we're playing in this... Malleable world. Is it all you got magic? Is that it? Or is there any other like character types aside from this? Say you didn't want to necessarily be a crazy
1: person. Yeah. If your DM is willing to uh, go out on a limb, you could play a sleeper.
3: Okay. But even then, that is magic itself. Like,
1: Ah, that's a good point. You're right.
3: Here's the thing about unknown armies. Okay. The world is as we see it, it is the world. That exists this day. The reason that it looks like that. that Is because that shit works. Science is better than magic. Magic is a weird crazy edge case. And. That's all well and good. But when the random person. Like when enough people. Find out about magic. Bad things happen. Because the collective unconscious. Works better than what we have right now. (laughs) Or like what you want it to be.
0: So it's a conspiracy, I guess you could say as well. Like, you can't be open. So, wasn't Mage the Ascension kind of like that too? I mean, I know all those um, Supernatural games in the 90s were like that too, where you were trying to hide in plain sight.
3: Sort of, except with Mage the Ascension, if you started doing magic in the real world, it's reality that tried to break you down. In Unknown Armies, if you start doing magic, in the open, it's not reality that breaks you down. it's the world as we see it like if you decide to raise someone from the dead, then there's going to be a riot, and people are going to die, and then the people who want magic to be safe and not like go after you,
0: okay, all right, I can see that so like what is here's the here's a big thing i like I have questions about, so this game's about people trying to make a world a better place. And we've talked about the classes, all that. Like, what? Tell me a couple things about this world. Like, you know, say for example, when we discussed Shadowrun, like, you know, we learned that there's a dragon for a president, and or how long was Duckles on? Like, did he make a term, or was he? No, was he
2: didn't even make it a day. He was assassinated on his uh, inauguration day. Ah, he was elected and then killed outside of the Watergate Hotel with a missile launcher. <laughs>
3: Fucking Christ. Why why did Shadowrun have to come back?
0: <laughs> you know that why, happens.
3: why? <laughs> that Does,
0: happens happens. Okay, how about this? Let's put it this way, Chris. Tell me a couple things about the world. Like right. I know it's malleable, but what about this world of Shadow of Shadow Fuck me. Unknown <laughs> armies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've been drinking bourbon, man. Come on. <laughs> okay, so here's what you need to know about
3: the universe of unknown armies, is that you can change it. You, the player, you, the person who is in it, you have all of the power. You are the one who is going to change the world. Okay, like, and you can do it through all sorts of means. Like, you can try to magically change it, which is normally how most folks do it. Because if you're plugged into the occult underground in unknown armies, you are you have a little bit of a greater idea of like, oh, hey, if I uh, curse enough of these rooms at this one hotel that appears to have some sort of uh, connection to the way greece's politics works then maybe i can turn greece into a theocracy okay but that's the thing like it's all it's all on you the player like when you start the game in third edition of unknown armies instead of creating characters the first thing you all have to do as a group is decide on what your goal is which i love i think that is the best way to start any game ever
0: it takes the shit out of me keep going why i'm i'm getting away from it but by, you know, even when Greg Sosey was talking to uh, to the, us about this a while back, it's not necessarily a. Very, it's a very non linear kind of setup with running unknown armies from everything that I've read and gathered. And if you're a GM who's used to having uh, A to B to, C to D kind of setup, then unknown armies is not going to work for you because it organically grows as the game goes. Uh, it grows. Does that make sense? That's true.
3: I mean, when I initially pitched the game, our game set in Marfa, Texas, I did not expect it to end in a shootout at a fucking vape store.
1: Uh, it wasn't a shootout, it was a brawl.
3: <laughs> Either way, somebody's brain was
0: frozen. You're right. Okay, so it's very open. I like that. Um, what about yeah. the big pl- Who's the big players in the game? Like, pre established It really depends stuff.
1: on the
3: uh, campaign, as is. Like, it, it depends on the GM. Okay. There is, like, a basic setting, but the toolkit for, like, how the world works. Like, that's where that's really what you need to grok when you play this game, is, like, every single action the players make and affects everyone else around them and the other people, like the NPCs, are trying to affect the world, too. Okay. So, like, major players do exist, but they depend on how you want to run the game. Like, I, I can go over, like, basic
0: concepts, though. I just... Give, it, give us one, like, some, give us a good example here.
3: Okay, so there is a big crew out of Texas called the Ordo Corpulentus, mm-hmm. who are a group who found through a certain ritual that they can, so long as they devour the body of a human, they can turn them into basically a ghost, like a poltergeist-style ghost that they can control. And all the folks who know this ritual are super, super hyper patriotic. Okay. So, like, it's basically upholding the ideals of, uh, like, a Texas cattle baron mixed with uh, somebody who's only ever listened to uh, country music post 9 11, like, from, like, 2002 to 2003.
2: Like, booting your ass, like, America, America, yeah, Toby Keith type stuff
3: proud to be american where at least i know i'm free okay that's, that's so fucked
0: up <laughs>
3: like oh yeah it's super fucked up and that's the thing about the unknown armies universe it's kind of fucked up the way we made it we we have created our own our own world and we're trying to recreate it through what we believe makes sense so the pcs themselves are usually trying to create the world a world that makes more sense to them
2: okay all right so, yeah so, so what's what would be a good example of a an unknown army's campaign or like the 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 goal you're going for? That really depends.
3: That. that that really depends on the group and what they want. Let's say usually the best way to start an unknown armies game is by giving the players a bunch of weird pictures and asking them how they correspond to each other, telling them that it's set in a certain area, like a. Uh, in our Texas campaign, the campaign like the goal was to catch an angel, right? So, what does that mean? Like, how, how do you ca- go about catching an angel, and who would be interested in catching an angel? for character, like, why why did he want to catch an angel?
1: So as to milk the rubes. You got an angel. You can show it to the religious and charge them for it.
0: All right, and Adam. You talk about my character when we did this. Yep. Um, Wash away past sins, I guess you could say. That was what I was going with. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like the initial concept for the characters, like we didn't have initial character concept.
0: We had the initial
3: idea. Like their goal was catch an angel. And then they created people who wanted to catch an angel for weird reasons. Another good one would be, let's say you're in a smaller time group. Uh, Let's go back to Texas. I think my initial concept for the San Antonio, San Antonio campaign was that we wanted to bring industry back to the city through occult means. What? So basically, use use magic to make the city more prosperous.
2: Okay. All right. So, so we've we've talked a lot about like the setting and sort of like the the idea behind unknown armies. I think mechanics wise how does it
3: work um it's based on like the brp system like basic role playing so it's a d100 system where you roll you you try to roll under your skill right a little odd in that you don't really have control of what your skill levels are at because they're based on how sane you you're your, your entire skill set besides certain things that are like core concepts your identities okay are uh, they're associated with a thing called the stress track, which is what makes unknown armies really weird. In that age, because the game is very much about how broken you are. But the sanity gauge is broken up into five different parts. So, how isolated you feel, how natural, how like how much you believe in yourself, or how much you're breaking against your the very your very identity, the violence you are. And I th- <laughs> okay, so your helplessness, like that is. That is, like, how feel you are of your life. Like, uh, if you have a lot of hardened notches and helplessness, you've been through a lot of shit that you had no control over, so you're kind of broke. Uh, your isolation, like, which is, we're social creatures, we've we evolved to be in packs, so most most humans can't deal with being alone for a long amount of time. Then, you're, then there's, like, the self, which is how true to yourself you are versus, like, what you do for a living. Like, how are you being your true, authentic human being? Like, uh, let's say you are an anarchist who got a job at a corporation, and now you have to subsume that anarchist identity in order to uh, survive on a day-to-day basis. So that would be a, help, a self-check. And there's something, like, unnatural, where, like, reality breaks down, and how inured are you to be, like, Seen the world break, and finally violence, which is just that. Sometimes bad shit happens; people get hurt. How do you ignore that or deal with it? Like, are you used to bad shit happening around you? And that's the thing. Like, all these all these ideas are built into unknown armies, and that like, how hardened you are to violence, the less you less you sort of interact with people. Like, less you can connect with them because you've seen somebody's face burn off, or like.
2: One shit. You watch this guy step into uh, a fire and and immolate himself.
3: Yeah,
2: it's who like, do okay. that? Last
3: time I saw that happen, it. it's it's really hard to talk to you, Brenda, when I think about this guy who just burned
2: himself alive. Yeah, I'm sorry, Aaron. It's just I played two games of Unknown Armies with this group. And the second game, you almost died because you lit yourself on fire. I don't like... Okay. It's a very very strong impression.
1: (laughs) I want to set the record straight here. (laughs) My goal was to not burn myself up. It was just a quick, oh, I'm just going to jump in the fire real quick and then get back out. But no, Chris, realizing that I'm dumb and don't pay attention enough, was like, all right, Aaron. Do you want to stand in the fire? And I was like, oh, yeah, for, for a second. And then I did. He's like, okay, so you're still standing in the fire. And I was like, wait, what? what? No, I wanted to get out. It just went from there.
3: <laughs> I also um. want to point out, Noah, that that is the correct interpretation of unknown armies. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, this is weird. Holy shit, what's going on? Yeah. Where are we? <laughs>
0: Oh, good times, good times.
2: <laughs> so, but so yeah. the it, it seems like the the system, especially like, really informs the 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 role playing to a degree, like a, a lot more than like some other games, like like say maybe like D and D or even something like like Delta Green or, or Call of Cthulhu. Like it, it feels almost like you took the emotional like sliding and stuff like that from like. Dirty World or, or Better Angels, that kind of thing, and kind of applied it to a, a D100 kind of system. As a matter of fact, I
3: asked Solzy about that the very first time we talked about the uh, Kickstarter. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I just really like putting things together. But yeah, no, it, it's very much a game where morality and like the things you do affect the way you can interact with the
0: world. Was it always like that with the slides, or is that a third edition?
3: This is third edition specific. Uh, second edition was a little more—I uh, almost want to say forgiving, but it wasn't because, like, the average stat in that game is like around thirty-five. Like you—you you can't be good at most stuff. Non-armies. It—it's very much a game about failing and then going forward with that failure.
0: You gotta fail up. Yeah. Okay, I like it. So I think I know this is going back way. Way, way, way back in the conversation, but to start at the beginning here, uh, who are the, the gentlemen behind it in the beginning, and how does how's that changed as it went on?
3: So the two folks who started working on on Armies in the beginning were uh, John Scott Tynes, Bullsy, who uh, I have a weird obsession with, because he's probably one of the most interesting game designers at this day. Like, he, he comes up with interesting new ideas. Mm-hmm. But, uh Scott Tynes, I think he's moved away from game design, and started uh,
2: for the most part yes, he works he did work for Microsoft. I don't know if he still does he does all sorts of stuff, but he was um uh he founded Pagan Publishing. they did mm-hmm. the Unspeakable Oath, which was a Cthulhu fanzine or called Cthulhu fanzine before uh, eventually creating like Delta green and uh puppet land. And Under the Armies. Uh, I think there's a couple oh, others. Yeah, he
3: did do puppet. Mm-hmm. He did do second edition Puppetland, didn't he? Recently?
2: Yeah, yeah. He came back to to do that, but he is outside of the the traditional tabletop role playing game like industry yeah. now. So
3: yeah, he's doing his own thing. But Puppetland is really weird. And check it out if
2: you don't mind like horror. <laughs> it's a, a a an interesting game, and uh, the it's. It's possibly the darkest game, (laughs) possibly (laughs) like Puppetland and Cult
0: up there.
3: But yeah, no. uh, So John uh, Scott Tynes and he and they started working on a game design together based on the response to the Call of Cthulhu, which where like the whole Lovecraftian ideal is that humans don't matter and anything we do is a blip on the radar. So life is meaningless, your actions are meaningless, all that fun stuff. Which can be a fun game itself, but uh, Unknown Armies is the exact opposite in where everything you do matters to an absurd extent. Okay.
1: Too much, even.
3: Yeah. Much too much at times.
0: Nice. Nice. The next thing I wanted to ask you guys, and like, we'll steer the conversation toward this aspect of it now. So, Hey Aaron, you're kind of new to this in general, like Unknown Armies, relatively speaking. I mean, I, what is it about this? You're a huge devotee to it. In fact, like Wednesday, we had our second uh, world building, character creating session for an upcoming Unknown Armies campaign you're planning on running. Like, what's yes. it about this man that, that draws you to it? Like, it seems it's, to be your favorite one. It's
1: it's up there. It's probably that in Delta Green.
0: Uh, it's just
1: it's so freeform. There's no, like, this is gonna. This may sound dumb, but there's no. You can't do that. Like, you can do basically whatever you want. You just, and you, you get to find out what new and terrible ways that's going to fuck you. Like, like the way I example, see it
3: with unknown armies
1: is like you can do it, but you're probably gonna fuck up. Yeah, you're like the fan. beginning, we had we just we had all kinds of great stuff happened in chris's game and i think very little of it was was stuff he expected to happen it all just he he basically just reacted to shit we were doing and that's part of the fun too is you can dm it however you want you can either react you can solely react to what players are doing or you can then try to plan and it works either way uh i like that there's not like restrictions, like in most RPGs on classes where it's like, well, this class can't, can't do this thing. This class can do this thing and this thing, but they can't do that. That other cool thing that this other class can do. Like, I mean, yeah, you have, you have like specific abilities based on, you know, whatever avatar or depth school you choose, but you can do basically anything like everyone is not good at everything. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I can, I can see that.
1: It's just, it lets me do new and strange things I never would have thought to do just because, Hey, it fits. So let's go crazy.
0: (laughs) So it's the absence of no, that drags you to this. Awesome. Sort of. It's just like, and it, it
1: became fun because it was me. Like I would make a decision and Chris would go, Oh shit. Really? And then he'd have to react to that. So it was just like a feeding off of each other kind of thing. Okay.
3: I mean, that definitely didn't cause any problems for
1: you whatsoever. No, but like, it, it just led to some of my favorite moments ever. Like me realizing what I was walking down to when I started going towards the lake.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think we recorded that. No, <laughs> we did. That season one. No, yeah, but it was just... Oh, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. No, I was just say, we'll go into that toward the end of this recording yeah. here. Yeah, just, just what do you want to do, Aaron? Secrets check. Fuck. Secrets check. Fuck.
3: And you knew what was coming too.
1: Yeah, and I was like, I'm not gonna fucking metagame this shit. I'm not doing it.
0: What about you, Noah? You've sat through two sessions of it beforehand. I know you kind of got less experience than anyone else here, but is there anything that really sticks out in my in your mind about the? the world, the game, the system, anything.
2: It's... I mean, it's a fucked up game. Like... Oh, God, yes it is. So, I've been in three Unknown Army sessions. I did two with you guys, and then um, when I went to go see uh, the RPPR folks... Oh, did a We did a a one-shot, which is on their feed. Uh, And, yeah, like... I, I think the, the the thing about Unknown Arm is it's that you really like it's already like a collaborative kind of thing uh, with your fellow players, especially when you're trying to figure out your goal, but you really had to have a, a good enough GM who could really like roll with like the haymakers out of nowhere that the players throw at them to like make it into a cohesive sort of story that Kind of makes sense. Um, oh God, yeah. Which I, I think you know both Chris and Caleb have managed to do in the the games that I've played with them and everything. But like, it's yeah, it's a you have to be a very particular kind of GM, I think, to be able to actually like deal with some of the craziness that can happen with an unknown armies game um, and the sort of bizarre occultism. That can pop up in it. Like figuring out like rituals and things like that that just seem like you're trying to debug the world. So Noah, tell us about uh
3: one of the things in that game that in one of those games that just kinda stopped you for a moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, gave you, what gave you pause? <laughs> well, I've already mentioned one with uh...
0: uh Oh Dick Grayson. That was the funniest thing.
2: Oh yeah, that was that. I was in <laughs> in in Chris's game. I, I already talked about um, Aaron lighting himself on fire uh, that, and
1: pulling one of my teeth out.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was that. There was um, Darth possessing your body, and you two like hopping back and forth between the control of your brain. Yeah. Um, there was uh, in the game I did with RPPR. Uh, we had to do a ritual. Uh, to make the ultimate uh, manic pixie dream girl where we, (laughs) the things we had to go and collect like a Galadriel doll and like (laughs) every like manic pixie dream girl, like romantic comedy film and like the Zoe Deschanel discography, basically. yeah, Yeah. Pretty much exactly. Like gathering all of that stuff along with like collecting the materials like, the human component to it, and then, uh, oh my god, it just, it got so out of control so quickly. The, <laughs> I keep thinking about Aaron's character trying to backflip out of, like, the way of somebody shooting at him or something, and then, like, landing in the ritual and being possessed by whatever spirit we had summoned to control the creepy weird dog Galadriel body. And none of us really noticing that it happened, and then his character just kind of disappearing from the end of the scenario.
3: <laughs> yep, that's that's unknown armies for you. Yeah, like I, I unknown armies is shit goes wrong the game. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like I've enjoyed all the games I've played of unknown armies, but man, I don't know if I could actually do a campaign of that. I think that's just gonna get. A bit too bizarre for me to play like I think I could sit back and like watch or listen to like an unknown armies campaign happen I don't know if I could actually sit
1: through like playing the entire thing See, the best part is Chris wasn't sure it was even gonna take when we started
2: yeah I, I'm, I like you you especially, Aaron, seem to have taken to Unknown Armies like a fish to water. Like you seem to be absolutely in love with the game, and that that's that's actually really cool. I'm glad to see somebody actually find a game that they they enjoy that much. Well,
3: thank you, Noah. It's I, it's a weird game.
2: Yes, yes, it is. It's, I still
0: need to sit down and actually read you. It's good, man. I I really enjoyed you. It's I like God oh, well, Walker. Thank you. Adam, I don't enjoy being here too. Oh. <laughs> waka
3: <Walk-a-walk-a>. waka. <laughs> so, I, I'm just why did you not like set this up to record when Noah was sleeping, like he normally is ninety percent of the day? <laughs> like hey, some sort of
2: tape here. I am. Um, I don't know. I'm some sort almost of animal. Like an, almost like,
1: like a gnome.
0: I kind of mentioned in the beginning. It was kind of my, my introduction to Chris and Chris's GMing style. Like the thing that sticks out to me the most with Fenon armies, and this is. The best thing about it for me. I mean, I'm kind of the opposite of Aaron when it comes to, like, the world and the things that can happen and stuff like that. I like there being a no for me. I like there being somebody kind of pumping the brakes a little bit on, on an Unknown Armies kind of game. I'm also like that in Red Market, though, too. I don't want everyone I deal with in one of these games to be magic. I don't want everything to be so completely... A fucking gonzo out there. There's nothing, at least for me, to dig into, I guess you could say. But the thing that I love the most about it, though, is just, it just gives you so much to work with with character development. Oh, yeah. uh, I I played a character, and we're going to, I'll go ahead and mention it right now. We did, when we started the podcast, I, I wanted to keep our group and RPX, our little gaming group and RPX separate because I just didn't want, I didn't think everybody was in, well, Down with it that didn't want to take part in it. So we played an entire first season of Unknown Armies and didn't record the first thing. And it was one of the more rewarding games. Like, honestly, it's the biggest campaign I've ever been involved in in my life. But it was just, it was a great rewarding experience. And what I learned in that is this game is fucking deadly as shit. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. When guns and violence pop out, and then Stowe's even mentions it in the book you know you want to avoid these kind of things because like shit gets real and then when firearms enter the deal it gets real 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 real. But to
3: just give you an idea, the combat chapter of unknown armies starts with six ways to get out of a fight and one of those ways is to just leave
0: oh I, I'd, I'd like to know how close I've been to death every time and I was playing my character I was playing in this game was a um, a veteran from the um, Iraqi wars. And, like, I had a guy who could shoot and I could handle himself in a fight, but I I don't want to get in a fight because, you know, one bad dash row and then, you know, I, I, I'm dead. And stuff like that. That's, that's how violent it is. But even when I was playing a character who is absolutely – I'm the only non-magic person in our whole game. I've got mm, – You're magic-ish. I, I got – a sixth sense that's essentially it. I'm trying to actually work him into being an avatar, but um you know, six sense kind of thing, but just, I don't know, I could do so much with that character, even with me being an underpowered, what I felt felt like was an underpowered character like it just it provided me enough to keep me involved. Aaron's character's doing magic, another one's doing poorly. magic poorly, but like all this shit's going on, but like I could always contribute even if I was not i was you know, totally out of my league and stuff like that. And that's what I liked about it. I know it's like a long rambling explanation. It's violent and deadly enough to make you weigh your options carefully most of the time, Aaron,
1: but, um,
0: (laughs) but at the same time, I guess you could say it's fluid enough to where you're not going to get no for an answer, despite the fact that that, that part drives me insane.
1: But the thing is, you kind of have to tell yourself, no, like, because for every stupid thing I did in that game, there was three that I thought about that I didn't do. <laughs> so, like, you kind of have to, like, you know, you've got to self-police, basically.
2: That's so... Also, so... So, Aaron, yes. what was the thing you didn't do when you set yourself on <laughs>
1: Uh, well... Okay, so before that, I was escaping escaping a police station, right? Okay. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of thoughts involving that. Uh, just, I was like, well, I could try and take a cop hostage, just try to trick people <laughs> with the thing I have a gun. Yeah, no. It. I ended up basically uh, making them believe that, like, I walked out because no one could see me. But like, <laughs> it. There was like just four or five other. I was like, there's so much shit I could do right now. So much of it's going to end me dead or end up with me dead. So I'm <laughs> I not going to do it.
2: I mean, you definitely did not end up
1: dead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> there's just other, and it like, it's a game that makes you like, you have to tell yourself no, but you also have to figure out how to get out of things for yourself. Like when we were in that restaurant and the cops were coming in and I was like, well, I'm going to light a roll of toilet paper on fire in the bathroom. So the fire alarm goes off and everyone has to leave. <laughs> It's just stuff like that. Yeah, you no, know? it's. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry.
3: <laughs> no, it, it's very much like mundane responses to crazy <laughs> shits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to mention right now, too, the stuff that Aaron's talking about will be eventually released on RPX. We're, I hope it works out well. As soon as we stop doing the 10,000 Lakes, give it a uh, you know brief hiatus, yeah. Uh, yeah, we do. Stop have... doing it. We're just taking the break. Yeah, we're you know when the season ends and everybody kind of regroup, you know regroups and stuff like that. But I do have um, several. I have no idea it's going to be such a bitch to go back through it and kind of edit and piece things together. But um, like we are going to release the second season, despite the fact that you never heard the first season, we're going to release the second season. You know, I hope it works out well. It's we try to recap everything. The story begins for you in media rest so you can see Aaron do a ritual that ends poorly and stuff like that. So, you know, spoilers, but that's going to happen. But so, you know, we do anticipate uh, releasing this stuff. It's, we have too much fun.
1: And we need and, to finish it, or at least get
0: back into it too. Oh, I'm not posting it till us finished. I've learned that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah,
3: sorry about that. We're going to, we're going to finish that up soon-ish. No, that's so okay. I have to work on my she schedule.
1: Shit just got busy. Yeah. But I think you said we were, what, like, halfway done with Season 2? Oh,
3: yeah. no, you're like two episodes done from Season 2.
1: Oh, nice.
0: So, give me time to edit. Fucking A. And I do fucking edit sometimes, Chris. Um, <laughs> sure <laughs> you, know. you do, Adam. Speaking of editing, is there, um, is there anything else we, you guys like to add on Unknown Armies before we kind of close up this discussion? It's, for me, it's, a, it's great fun. I love playing it more and that i think i would enjoy gming it but at the same time i need to step out of my comfort zone i'm doing more all the time and i i haven't put it out of my potential games i may run it would be more of a low power if i ran a game it would be more of a low powered one shot see if it goes into something else but like it's definitely not off the table for me
3: i'd give it a try um Actually, Adam, do you wanna to try to uh run the Waffle House index when I eventually like finish up that thing?
0: I would be up for it.
3: because cool. like that that's going to be a uh, full like everything is going to be written up. Like the idea of the game. Okay. Uh
0: anyone yeah. else? No. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's fine. Noah just quietly says. If, no, nah, it's not. Hey, listen though, if you I did want to mention this beforehand too. If you are interested in unknown armies, there's a very active Facebook group. But yeah, so the Facebook group is very active, and Chris is kind of alluding to this. I'm glad he mentioned it. Unknown Armies has like a really unique thing set up at Drive Through RPG, which is called the Stratosphere. Is that correct, yes. Chris? Uh,
3: Stratosphere.
0: Stratosphere. Stratosphere. Okay. And what is that I, particularly?
3: Um. So it is a group where. You you can actually post your own ideas and try to sell them. Okay, like y- your profits go to you. I don't actually know what the profit margins are there, but it's the idea like where it's a community-driven thing. Like I actually have a few ideas where that I'm going to post. Yeah, like I I do want to set up the Marfa campaign as like a thing you can do on Statusphere. Okay, that, shit, that, is that
0: the only no. is that the only RPG system you can think of that has something like that where these home brews can if they're polished enough can be dropped into it.
2: No, for, no, no,
0: well, D did it first. Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, Fifth Ed has the whole Dungeon Masters Guild thing that's set up through there. Um, what is this D so. you're speaking of? <laughs> yeah. Uh Unknown okay. has it I think there's a couple others that have something similar. Okay. So imagine Tolkien. Okay.
3: Except instead of uh it being like the random person, okay. out of nowhere like saves the world as king and everyone's a badass king. Ah. Now that's D&D. Dungeons and Dragons. It's been around for like Okay. Maybe 5 years.
0: Okay, it's yeah,
3: right. you know, 5 it, years, right, Noah? Yeah. Like, that's why it's called D&D 5. Yes, (laughs)
2: like, fifth edition. Yes. Five years. Yes, (laughs) five editions, one for each year. That's exactly how it works.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, y'all want to work on some uh, shout-outs and anecdotes? So, speaking of unknown armies, I entered my own, like, (laughs) postmodern
2: like, hellscape recently. So, my job, I work with a team, a team of people, like, and they're constantly, so we get to have team dinners. Um, the company pays for it; uh, they'll pay for the meal and everything like that. The only thing we can't—they can't, can't buy—is alcohol. But that's beside the point. So we decided on uh, a particular place to go have dinner because it opened up so kind of recently. Okay. Okay,
3: so I presume this is like some famous place, like you know, like an upscale thing, like something maybe by. Oh,
0: uh... Did you go to Paladines? Please tell me you went to Paladines.
3: This is a good choice.
2: Uh, so we went to <laughs> Flavor Town itself, Guy Fury oh, uh- Smokehouse.
0: <laughs> oh God! Did it look like a t- like a Matt Hardy picture blew up? Just you mean about Ed Hardy.
1: Ed Hardy and Matt Hardy are two different people. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Aaron jumping in.
0: <laughs> well, what like, how dare you?
3: How dare you make, make fun of Matt Hardy?
0: They're not part of a tag team, Aaron? No. No, they're not.
2: <laughs> Look, I mean either one could be applicable here. So wait. Um, how much donkey sauce did you drink? Did
1: you get it straight from the donkey? Oh,
2: God, I don't know if mine actually had donkey sauce on it. What the fuck is donkey right. sauce? I don't, I don't know. Okay, let, let's start this off. So you walk into Guy Fieri's smokehouse. Uh-huh. It like? So it's kind of dim. To the left of the the entryway is just because this is inside of like a sort of a it's not really a mall so much as an enclosed like dining place. There's a couple different restaurants all on the inside of this place. And there's like a central bar kind of thing. But uh, when you walk inside to the left of it is just like a rolling shutter door, like a garage door. Oh God. (laughs) And all the tables are just like these kind of bare bones, wooden tables and with like regular like wooden chairs in them, but you can also get like a booth that has like these weird low plush like leather chairs and like with the tables.
3: Okay, uh, so when you walked into the smokehouse, did anyone say that the world was gonna roll you?
2: No, and no, there's there there none of that. How sharp of a tool in the shed are you? God damn it. Um, so we, we sit down, and one of the things I notice is that going along the ceiling of this restaurant, (laughs) not quite the ceiling, but it's basically where there's like a a lip that has like the lighting that illuminates like parts of the ceiling around the edge of the restaurant. And from when the lights to the wall, or the ceiling meet, there's a little bit of wall. And there's just like photorealistic hot rod flames going around the entire restaurant. And my eyes following this, follow it to all of the photos that are just big black and white photos of Guy Fieri with like other people but each picture has him in it and there is a centerpiece on one of the walls that is a giant chrome eagle that looks like it's made out of like car parts Jesus yeah it is oh boy Um, with
3: Nickelback playing? So, no, I don't this know is, is this is like 100% a fucking unknown
2: army set piece. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone is getting charges from this. Gibbet is like a slat of wood that has had pages riveted into it. So, huh. yeah. The um, menu?
1: Yes, the menu. It's like I four. Can, or five what you're saying is you could beat the shit out of someone with that menu if you yes. wanted to. It
2: was four or five pages and the last like the end the end page is on a slat of wood. Like a like a clipboard. So I
3: ordered Hold up real fast. Did I tell y'all that there is an Under Armies game book where uh they spent about fifteen pages telling you about how you can kill somebody in a McDonald's? Oh my god. Of of I'm not surprised. Is. It's anyway, wonderful, Noah. and I love it. Anyways, going this, on. No, back to back hell. To you
2: know, <laughs> uh, Guy Fieri is like if Mac Attack like became of a, a central person. So I order a a gentleman's Jack. All right, yeah, it's, uh, no, it's a gentleman's old fashioned. I use gentleman's Jack in it, and uh, that was weird. Uh, it had alcohol in it, so it dulled the pain. How do you fuck up an old fashioned though? Like, how was it weird? I, I don't know. Like it was. Like, like literally, that's you just wanna... fucking sugar. Bourbon. Yeah, and there is there's just Get something about ours. it that like that, mm, I don't I think it was either too much bitters or too much sugar. I don't really like. Oh god! So I had that, and then I got the Motley Q sandwich.
0: Hair <sighs> with it, God, uh, shaped is... like Miss Neal. <laughs>
2: Which is I've literally just pulled
3: hair out of my fucking head.
2: (laughs) Which is a pretzel bun sandwich that is just a a mound of pulled pork with like barbecue sauce and then cheese and fried onion strings on top of it. Along with a small pile of coleslaw and then like some pickled onions and pickles on the side. Along with three different types of fries. Now the fries they say that there are three different types of fries and that's technically correct, but they're uh, not.
1: No, can, I, can I interrupt yes. you for a second? uh Uh-huh. Okay. So I understand that there are three different kinds of fries, uh-huh. but I also understand that there are only like sweet potato and regular fries. What, what's right. the third option?
2: <laughs> so no, it is all regular potatoes. And they're just cut in different styles. And none of them are seasoned any differently from each other. So you have like your standard, you have like your standard, like fast food restaurant, like maybe a little bit thicker than like a regular fast food, but like your standard, like straight cut French fry, you have waffle fries. And then like these weird, like fat spiral cuts. They're not curly fries they're like spiral cut like if you took a potato and then like oh, you cut put it like a
1: spiralizer half.
2: yeah like it's like half of a double helix
1: i know what you're talking about i've had those before
2: so i take a picture of this food and i i send it to a bunch of people and just say i'm gonna die i pick up the sandwich and it is just like obese falling off the sides with pulled pork and I, I, I jam it into my fat gob and take a bite <laughs> and like half of the meat in the sandwich just falls out onto the plate which oh yeah the plate it is a hubcap? A stain, it, it, basically it is a steel like circular tray with like a little bit of a wall on it and the fries were in like a metal, like a small metal bucket, like the size of like a drinking cup. But they, it was a metal bucket with like a little handle. <laughs> and yeah, I take a bite, Jesus. and like I, I proceed to eat the sandwich. And at the end of it, there's just like a pile of like coleslaw and and pulled pork just sitting on this this discus of a of a plate. And I then bet I just you ate I, it, didn't you? I grabbed my fork and I ate that shit, <laughs> and I ate my fries. And the sandwich, all told, the sandwich was okay. It wasn't like offensive, and I think it was probably like one of the the better things there. But yeah, the best of the middle of the road. Yeah, I so I it. ate all of that, and then I took another picture of the entire plate clean and I have it saved on my phone as a memento mori because, yeah, I I have to stay humble
0: after that. I God. hurt myself today. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's been going my, through my head. Yeah. I feel... The entire time you've been talking, I've had that Johnny Cash Nine Inch Nails cover just going through my head. And then when you were talking I, about, the, oh talking God, about eating is, that shit, it was like, what have I become? It just, oh, <laughs> God. Like, you could have it all. My of dirt.
2: I know one person had a macaroni and cheese, uh, cheeseburger, um, some people had, like, the steak and, and stuff like that. Like,
3: Did any uh, of them actually,
2: like, like their food? Though <laughs> Everybody seemed to think it was, like, okay. Like, I don't think yeah, anybody was blown away. It. Like, there have been meals I've had before, like, even at, like, Gen Con, where it's, uh, we've, I've been to, like, some pretty decent restaurants in Indianapolis that have, like, oh, my God, this is some amazing food. This was not one of them? <laughs> and, no. um, and Who
3: would have thought that Guy Fieri's smokehouse <laughs> would not
0: satisfy? <laughs> I <laughs> know. Your waiter, what's your waiter wearing his sunglasses on the back of his neck or anything like
2: oh, that? No, no. She was a lovely, frazzled young lady. And there was like, <laughs> there was just like, I don't know. It wasn't like super crowded, but there were still like a lot more people in there than you would expect. Especially since we we were dealing with like the tail end of our snow at the time More so like, all the
1: road,
0: been.
2: yeah all the weather like there's still snow out like all of the roads are still kind of frozen over and stuff like that so there shouldn't have been that many people there but yeah so uh so how about you guys
1: I don't know how to follow that up
0: I mean,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean I've got an anecdote it's kind of mundane compared to that <laughs> fucking harrowing adventure uh Go for it. So over the Christmas holiday, the the PlayStation Store was having a pretty big sale on a whole bunch of games, and I saw that The Warriors was on sale. Nice. And I never got to play that on the PS2, but I always wanted to. So I picked it up because it was on sale for like 9 bucks, and I figured, you know, why not? It's a bad uh, game. It's actually... I'm enjoying it. It's, it's very
2: hard. It's, it's a like, surprisingly decent game, especially for being like a GTA... like. <laughs> Built warriors game
1: yeah. like it's it's, man-hunt. Right.
0: it's manhunt essentially and it just reskinned kind of it's
1: got it's got
0: bullies combat uh it's it's very
1: strange because like a big chunk of the game takes place before the movie like you mm-hmm. have the lead up to the meeting yeah um but it's like they didn't polish the game at all before they put it on the ps4 it's basically it's stock as it was on the ps2 which means the camera swings around a whole lot and makes me dizzy sometimes <laughs> oh god uh, and like the ai is really strange like they're really aggr- like your your dudes are really aggressive and they'll do running attacks but the standard running attack is like it's just a fucking flying crossbody at somebody so you won't like you're you know you're not paying attention and you see one of your dudes run and just fly out of nowhere and fucking tackle somebody and you're just like okay well that happened I guess. Uh, <laughs> cops are super overpowered in the game like cops can take a hell of a beating. Um, I do like that one of like one of your options for like if you need money to buy drugs for health because yeah that's how you refill your health is you take what I'm mean, what, what's basically speed. Uh, is you can break into places, smash smash glass cases, and steal their shit for money, which, you know, I knew was a thing, but I wasn't thinking about it when I bought the game. So I was playing the game for the first time, and I got to do that, and I was just laughing my ass off, breaking into this 1970s-ass jewelry store and stealing all their shit. Oh, and you can bust car windows to steal stereos, (laughs) and it's also very funny because their own, like each stereo you steal is only worth 15 bucks. So I guess shit in the seventies just wasn't worth anything. Uh, yeah. Inflation. Oh, there's also uh, a mission early on where you take the subway and the power goes out and you're like, Oh, well that's unpleasant. So you get up to the surface and there's a fucking riot going on. And I was just like, wow, boy, the people in New York are really angry. And then I was like, Oh wait, it's 1979. It doesn't take shit to start a riot here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's an experience and I'm enjoying it more than I'm enjoying Shadow of War, which has not pulled me in despite my best efforts. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, I like, I liked, I liked Shadow of Mordor and I laughed my ass off at stupid, sexy Shelob in, uh, Wardor because for some reason, instead of being a giant spider, they made Shelob a. I'm not going to say attractive cause she's a video game character, but like they <laughs> modeled her. They modeled her after an attractive woman, and it's very strange. Apparently, you meet an ant later on with a Russian accent, like an ant woman. So, it makes <laughs> you
0: question some things about sexuality and your desires. Is that what you're saying?
1: That is not what I'm saying, actually. <laughs> uh, oh, I also, Crash, I also beat the Crash Bandicoot Collection. Those games are fucking hard, except the third one. The third one's real easy.
2: <laughs> Good job. Welcome to 1999. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, fuck you, Noah! I owned the first or the the third Crash Bandicoot. I'd never beaten the first or second. <laughs> anyway,
0: I think that's all my my anecdotes. So I just survived well, the I... steam sale. I'm sorry, Chris. You want to go ahead?
3: Oh, I mean, I was just gonna say all I know is that I uh, beat all of the Crash Bandicoot games when I was uh, twelve. So,
1: <laughs> uh... good
3: job, Aaron.
1: Chris, I'd like to invite you to kiss the biggest part of my ass. <laughs> just I mean, that's. And... There's
3: a lot of that, so. Damn, oh
1: motherfucker. God.
3: Dude, you fucking. You walked right into that.
0: So. Whatever. I don't even feel it anymore.
2: <laughs> oh, God. Anyways.
0: Man, I've noticed something about myself, guys. Like, I'll go out and buy a AAA game. I've got The Witcher 3. been sitting on it. When the fall Christmas uh, same sale came out, I, I didn't want to buy the game of the year edition, but I found the I got the DLC fairly cheap. I mean, I've got that whole motherfucker sitting there. And I know it's a really good game. I don't really play it, though, because the content and children in the room and stuff like that, like, you know, I, I got some really good games. But I will sit down in a heartbeat and play just some little indie game. And recently, I sat down and played and beat the Cat Lady, which is a game I've had for a while, I just never sat down oh, and really God. played it. So yeah, it's it's kind of a fucked up little old school adventure kind of game, I guess you could say. Uh, your character, be, your game begins with your character committing suicide by taking too many pills. She and she becomes a harbinger of doom and is brought back into the real world to eliminate, you know, these 'er ne'er-do-wells and stuff like it It was a really like trippy unique game and if you got five bucks and want to drop it on steam for it it's it's definitely worth your time it's unique i mean it's just like gameplay wise it's not much to it but it's narratively it's great
2: so i i i started watching uh, uh, a let's play of that because it's on a channel that i watch like pretty regularly and I could not get past the first couple of episodes because that is like it gets some seriously dark subject matter that is not exactly like fun to watch for like entertainment like haha purposes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: oh, it's dark yeah. as fuck.
2: Yeah. So yeah, so that's a that's a thing. If you're thinking about this game, is it goes to some pretty dark places.
0: Yeah, I give it five out of five. And Chris, what's Santa bring you? What kind of goodies do you have for us?
3: Uh, I'm actually kind of led on anecdotes right now. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. I I made vegan katsudon today, and it didn't didn't work out. All right. <laughs> so Tell how me. did you <laughs> what
2: what what did you substitute for the pork? Mushrooms. Uh. <laughs> Lentils
3: and mushrooms,
2: huh?
3: Yeah, right. no it it mostly worked out. It's just that the uh, actual like substitute itself kind of fell apart. The flavors worked though. It was basically fucking falafel, except with uh, pork. Except instead of pork, it was a uh,
2: falafel. F- falafel. Okay, so you so you made Japanese falafel. <laughs> yep, we made falafudan. <laughs>
0: God damn it! Those are words. God I know those it. are words. I don't know what you're saying, but those are words. F- Falapodon
2: is uh, is going to be one of the new starters in the next generation of Pokemon.
3: <laughs> it honestly wasn't terrible. It just needs a little more work. Like I, I honestly can probably make that into a thing.
2: Yeah, you can. You can workshop it. Take it to the lab. Figure yeah. it out.
3: Write about it on your food blog. Uh,
1: fuck Declare. you, Aaron.
2: No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> i will never have a food blog oh
1: i have i think i have another anecdote actually now that i think about it uh i've been watching a show on hulu called stan against evil and it's kind of dumb but it's a lot of fun it's john c mcginley being john c mcginley uh and fighting demons so nice it's great yeah uh, it includes the one of it, it introduced me to one of my favorite in, new insults, and it's "Jesus, lady." Did anybody ever tell you, you look like a bag full of assholes? God, <laughs> I'm into it. Wow, I like it's that. either bag or barrel. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, it's created, produ- uh, created, produced, and written by Dana Gould, who I'm a big fan of, and he plays a uh, uh, the town like the groundskeeper at the town graveyard and there's an episode where it's like the main character and his daughter are at the cemetery and he looks at the main character's daughter and he's like, Hey, you want to go see a dead body? And she's like, do I? And then later he's being like, like there's a, a, like he's pulling a weed off a grave or something. And a hand comes through the ground and grabs him. And his response is beautiful. Cause he just goes, Oh geez. It's <laughs> like no screaming or anything. Just, Oh, <laughs> not again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, and the episodes are only like twenty minutes each, so it's nice digestible little segments there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and the oh, the episode titles are all puns too. Like, there's no, 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 your goat. Wow. Gosh, oh, was, oh, spider walk with me.
0: <laughs> oh, nice.
1: Yeah, it's fun stuff.
0: Is that a play on the Twin Peaks fire walk with me?
1: I assume. Yeah. Yes. And it's, like I said, it's John C. McGinley. So, you know, if you like Dr. Cox, this is him playing Dr. Cox times like 20 as a grumpy old man. So. Well, there you go. Uh, Check it out. Well, a little low budget because it's an IFC show, but that's part of the charm, honestly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you can't beat those hype. Well, you guys want to do a wrap it up here?
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna watch Devil Man Cry soon. So the next time we do an episode I'll I'll let you know how that is.
0: That I good. will
2: just assume bad. Oh, uh, we'll means. find out.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I was gonna go ahead and switch the theme music and I'm still planning on it, but I just haven't had time to edit or figure things out for it. So we just let's just not mention the theme at this point. If I if I keep the same Theme an extra episode just because I haven't had a chance to edit it with sick kids and everything like that. I mean, I th- I do like Critical Hit. I just was wanting to, you know, switch things up. But then I said the last episode that that was our last episode with uh with,
2: with that theme song, and then now it's not gonna be. So wait, wait, Adam,
3: are you saying that this particular this particular episode could have the uh, theme song Critical Hit by Ghost Mice, which you can find out by from Planet Planet X Records, possibly. Or it could be Monster by Peach Stealing Monkeys.
0: Yeah. Or maybe a conglomeration of the both that I mixed together and created an original composition. Either way, I'm sure It could be either, be either one. one. <laughs> either way it's gonna be awesome. So like support those artists, whichever one we go with. Or both of them. <laughs> yeah. There oh, you go. No, don't even support
2: either. Support both. They're both great. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So if don't you ask your were- music. Sorry. If you guys want to check out our Facebook page, uh, we're on you know www. facebook. com We also have the domain name rope um, you know dot com. Uh, pretty much all the podcasts you listen to here can go like you can find them on that website because I'm just rattling and making up some shit at this point because that's,
2: <laughs> that's, that's where the
1: the show goes is on the, website.
2: Goes on the internet to go to the people's ear holes, Adam.
1: Here in Kentucky, we don't know how the internet
0: works too so, good.
2: So You can find us on facebook.com slash the role-playing exchange, correct? Yes, sir. You can find our website at the role exchange.com.
0: Yes, and there's a Twitter out there.
2: There's a Twitter at RP Exchange. Do we have an email people could email us at?
0: Yeah, roleplay and Exchange at gmail.com. Excellent. I would ask that everybody
2: listening to us, if you could please review us and uh, rate us on whatever podcasting service you have, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. And be sure to share this with any friends that you think might like the show, might like some of our actual plays, things like that. Word of mouth is the best way to, to spread shows like this, so... Uh we would really appreciate
1: it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, share, and subscribe it really helps us out a lot. Drop a comment if you like it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Awesome. Um but yeah. Well wow, he's he sounded pretty good on it, didn't he, Chris? It did.
1: I was mocking the YouTubers and it worked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> from from the role-playing exchange, this has been Noah Carden
0: <laughs> Adam Thorsberg.
3: And Chris Hammond and Adam. Uh so how do we add every episode?
0: Wait, well, wait, we wait, Aaron, we have one more. Oh
1: Okay,
3: and Aaron, goddamn, say your name, Aaron. <laughs> My
1: name's Aaron. <laughs> Good, and I'm on this podcast.
3: <laughs> All right. So, Aaron, how do we end every every
1: podcast? Hail Satan, and we didn't think this through. <laughs> Good yeah. job we did. <laughs> I for, I forgot we used to, I forgot we don't say hail Satan anymore. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Ever Good night. Out.
0: Not all fights are won by skill Some are won by luck Don't ever give in
3: You've got to keep on trying Till you lose or you win
0: Cross your fingers, roll the die Wait with hope for the big 2-0 Cross your fingers, roll the
2: die Let it go, let it go, let it go
3: Let it roll, let it roll, let it roll, let it roll.